0: All right. This is uh, part three of "Bless as Jesus blessed," and it's blessing the thirsty. I think, I think that's come across this morning, hasn't it? Blessing the thirsty. There we go. Look at all those numbers up there. We're going to talk about water and other things this morning, but water is the source of life. In fact, it's vital. The one thing that is so vital for life is water. My wife uh, often asks me, why do I, every time I plant something, it dies? (laughs) And the response is always the same. You don't water it. I can say that because she's not here. It's true though. Fluids are the most important thing for every living organism, fluid. Water comes in three ways. Ice, that's solid. I'm I'm drawing on my high school science here. It's vapour or steam, that's the second way it comes, and then of course liquid. Facts and figures, look at those figures. What are those numbers up there? Did you know that 71% of the Earth's surface is covered by water? 71%. And out of that 71%, only 2.5% of that is fresh water. It's not much, is it? 2.5%. Now, out of that 2.5%, so that's not the 71 But the 2.5% is fresh water that is actually accessible for use. So if you thought 2.5 was a low number, well 1% is much lower than that. And by that we mean that a lot of our fresh water is trapped in glaciers and snow fields and, and the like. It's not readily accessible. 60%. That's how much water uh, is in your body. That, that's, your body is made up of 60% water. You didn't think water could be so ugly. No, no. <laughs> no. And your brain. Your brain. What are you laughing at? The brain. All right, maybe not your brain, but the brain. The brain is made up of 80% water. I I I thought that was staggering. The brain, the actual brain, the things that we think about is made up of 80%. I don't know what's so funny. Oh, This is is facts and figures, 80%. It gives a new meaning, doesn't it, to water on the brain, doesn't it? It does. You can live without water. Uh, depending on the environment, right? This is, this is uh, what, what they tell us, the scientists tell us. You can live without water for three to four days. That's how long you can live without water. Maximum, you know, there have been a few people that have lived just a little bit longer, but seven days is the most that anyone could possibly go with without having a drink of water or fluid of some description. Maybe maybe coffee, you know, that would be good. <laughs> Now, you can live three to four weeks without food. I know some teenagers, Judy, can't live three or four hours without food, but three to four weeks. You know, Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi, he's one of these famous people that went on a hunger strike. He actually is probably the only one that's actually gone on a real fair income hunger strike and survived, and he lasted 21 days. That's how long he he didn't eat for, and and he lived. Bobby Sands. If you're Irish, you know who he is. He was probably the most famous hunger striker and, and he, he didn't eat for a long time and it, uh, uh, near the end he had to be hospitalised and he still didn't eat and he wasn't force fed and he survived 66 days without food. But he, per- he perished in the end. He died. That's enough about food because next week Lee's going to talk about the bread of life, so that's all I'm going to say. But just as a comparison, you see, water is far more important to us even than food. History uh, tells us that uh, in Mesopotamia, which the the, uh, archaeologists and the the historians tell us is the cradle of civilisation, was sited between two major rivers, the Euphrates and the Tigris Rome sighted on the Tiber River Egypt the Nile River these are great civilisations and Melbourne the Yarra (laughs) that's what John Batman said he rode up and he came to where Melbourne he says you know what what did he say this is the place for a village it's very important to have water in order for mankind to survive And there's nothing more that I like than a a real cold drink of water on a hot day. I really do. I'm going to have a little sip now because it's getting a bit warm. John chapter 4, verses 1 to 42 was the passage that we're looking at. But we're not going to do it verse by verse. Again, we're going to look at, the, look at it through the same lens that we looked at chapter 3 last week. What was that lens? The lens of blessing as Jesus blessed. So what can we learn from that example? Well, we hope, hopefully uh, we can learn how was the blessing received and we're going to start that right now. In verse two of the reading, hopefully you have your Bible open. But in verse two of the reading, we we read of the Lord Jesus having been uh, ministering and talking to people, and he decided that he was going to 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 leave Judea and go to Galilee. Now. If the Lord was around today and he was doing the same thing now, he would be doing this. He would Google Maps and work out the route. That's what I would do. I would do Google Maps. And, you know, usually when you do Google Maps, what happens? You get this dark blue line and then you get maybe another lighter blue maybe in the third blue line, lighter. The fastest and quickest route is the dark blue line. The fastest route to to get to Galilee from Judea is roughly about 110 kilometres. The alternative route, 145. Let me remind you, the Lord was walking this route. Which route would you choose? Hmm? Now, you know this story really well. The woman at the well. And you know that the Jews didn't like going through Samaria. The usual route to get from Judea to Galilee was through the little area called Perea. The usual route. The Jews did not like going through Samaria. They just didn't get on. Talk about uh, racial issues. They had racial issues. The Samaritans didn't like the Jews much either. I guess that makes it fair. But it's really interesting that that we have this little phrase in verse 4. Now he, that's Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Not the usual route. In fact, actually, in chapter 11 of John, when you read the Lord coming back with his disciples, they actually went through the usual route, the 145-kilometre route. Avoiding Samaria on the way back. That's really interesting. Now he had to go through Samaria. Really, why was that? Why did he have to go through Samaria? Were there roadworks, maybe? <laughs> you know, tunneling? No, 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 no. Yes, you might say, Raph, you should know. He had to go because he had to meet the woman at the well. That's true. But why did he have to go? You know, that little phrase, had to go, is one word in the Greek and it means must, necessary, by the nature of things, obligated. In the King James, it's rendered must needs go to Samaria. It was necessary to pass through Samaria is what the Lord is trying to say here, what the scriptures are trying to say. is, Why was that? Because there was a need? Absolutely. The Lord knew about the need, not so much just the woman's need, as we're going to bring out as well, but who was he? He was the saviour of the world. If he kept on going... The same way as all the other Jews went, he would have bypassed Samaria again. The Saviour of the world would not have gone through Samaria. So the Lord, what, was obligated to go, wasn't he? Because he was the Saviour of the world. He had to go. He had to go. He could do something about the need that was there amongst the Samaritans. That's why he had to go. And I love verse 6. Have a look at verse 6. What does it say? I think I've shared this with you many times before. I just love the scriptures. Not because they're the word of God, they are. But the, the detail that, that he records for us, that God records. Look at verse 6. Uh, Jesus, tired. As he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So what? You know what that tells me? That the Lord Jesus exerted and made an effort to get to Samaria. How far is Sychar from from uh, Judea? Sixty-four kilometers. Walking. 64 kilometres, that's how long he he took. It took 64 k's to get to Samaria, Sykes, well, he walked it. Okay. The average speed, walking, just an average pace, you know, normal walking pace, about, they tell us, five kilometres an hour, average speed. That's assuming there's no steep hills like here at Monty. You know, there isn't any flat ground in Monty unless you excavate. It's all hilly. I'm assuming that it's all flat. I doubt it. Were they good roads? I don't know. Probably not. But let's just say it was five kilometres an hour. So 65 divided by five, 64 divided by five is what? 12.8. Thank you very much. 12.8 what? Hours. The Lord was walking for 12.8 hours to get to psych as well. That's why he was tired from the journey. Effort sometimes has to be made in order to bless others. Effort. So what does this tell you and me? That wrong way. How far are you and I willing to go to bless others? That's a question, isn't it? We have to ask ourselves. Last week I spoke to you about telling the truth and, and teaching and I said that we need to get out there amongst the community. Absolutely. This week it's that plus where did, where did the Lord find himself? In an uncomfortable environment. He was a Jew. He was a Jew in Samaria, slap bang in the middle of Samaria in Syka. Not a night not not a comfort zone. You know, Syka was not on the must go visit list for any Jew. It really wasn't. They always went the longer way. Always. Have a look at the time of day it was. The Lord was sitting there waiting in the heat, waiting. He was tired. I don't know about you and me, I would have been thinking, oh, you know, I need a bit of shade here, I need to lie down, have a little nap. Not the Lord. It was deliberate. What did he say? It's, it says here, he had to go through Samaria. Now it doesn't tell us this, this is, again, remember I told you last week about my imagination? He went with his disciples. They were with him. Go on, guys. Let's let's go up to up to Galilee, and they're heading off this way. Yeah, this way. But that's that's Samaria, Lord. No, doesn't matter. We're going this way, and all the way the sixty-four k's. The Lord could hear the disciples going, "We're going through Samaria. there's, There's Samaritans. This is we shouldn't be coming this way." But it was planned and purposeful and deliberate. Sometimes the way that we need to bless is like that. We need to make plans to bless others. We need to be deliberate in our actions in order to bless others. Can you and I do this? Absolutely. There's no reason why we can't. Monty Primary School, we're going to try this year to be more deliberate to bless the community. We heard a little bit from Nancy... There's need up there. There's need just like there was in Samaria. And I don't know how we're going to meet the need. I really don't. Whatever, Whenever it comes up, we'll be praying the Lord help us and direct us to meet that need. But I hope that our attitude will be like the Lord's, that, that our, our attitude will be, it doesn't matter if we have to walk 64K. It doesn't matter if it's hot. It doesn't matter if I to sit and wait. There's a need. And I I hope that we have the attitude that, like the Lord had, meet the need. Clean up Australia. Great. That's another way we're going to do it. Try and do this as well. Try and meet the the community roundabout. Rub shoulders with our our neighbours. And show them that we care. Not just about the environment, but we care for them. And hopefully that will give us an opportunity to speak, have a chat, even just get to know each other so that we might be able to bless. Again, thank you, Jane, for, for helping us uh, do this. If you have any ideas, any thoughts of how we can meet the need and bless others, not just for the sake of blessing, because the Lord didn't just go there to help the woman have a, have a drink. There was, a, there was another agenda as well, spiritual need. Blessing the thirsty. Thirst is an obsessive thing, isn't it? It's absolutely, it's, a, it's almost a craving. I don't know what it's like to be an alcoholic or a drug addict because they talk about a similar thing, the craving to drink, the craving to take the next drug, whatever they might have. But I know about thirst. I do. Thirst is, the craving is like a domination. It really is a domination of one's thoughts and feelings by the persistent desire, and in this case, to drink. How do I know about this? You know, you might have noticed, you probably haven't, but it's a very icy drink. I work outdoors, not as much these days as I used to. And when it's hot, I have a big bottle like this, and it's rock solid ice. And during the day, it just melts, and I fill it up, and it melts, and I fill it, up and I keep drinking. By two o'clock, after you're working out in the sun, by two o'clock, as you go over to the shady spot where the, the drink bottle is. And you, you take the top off like I did just now and you and you have a controlled sip because it has to last all day and you put the top on and you put it back and you walk to where you were working and you pick up the saw or the hammer, whatever it was you were doing and within a minute you're thinking, I need a drink. All I'm thinking about is the next drink. Seriously. And when I get home, I'm drinking all night. I'm sucking on super-dupers. You should see my freezer, yeah? yeah. Full of super... I love super-dupers. All night, the body's telling me, get that fluid back in. The mind is saying, thirsty, thirsty, thirsty. It's obsessive. See, water is vital to life. We have a constant need for water. Our bodies tell us this. and And no matter how much you drink... No matter how much you drink no, no, no matter how much you drink, the satisfaction that you have is only temporary. You can't just drink and say, That's it, I've drunk now, I'm never going to drink again. You can't do that. The the medicos tell us that we need two litres of water a day irrespective of the weather conditions. It's the minimum requirement. Now, that, that, that water, that fluid comes in various means. You know, it comes through actually drinking water. It it can come through, through you know, uh, eating icy poles. That's good. Yeah. Your vegetables and fruit. No, oh, that's not so good, is it? And coffee and tea. Now, that's good. But you know what I'm saying. It, it doesn't matter how that two litres comes about. You need to. Your body needs the two litres minimum. And and the source of water here in Australia, we are so blessed. We really are. Even though it's it's a, it's a dry country, you can go to any tap and get drinking water, safe drinking water. Not always cool, but it's it's at least it's safe. We have dams and reservoirs, and we have bottled water anywhere you go. I've noticed people here at church sometime coming in of a morning with their bottle of water so when you're a bit thirsty you can take a sip. We are blessed to be able to do that. South Africa, Cape Town. Have you been watching the news? That's, that's like the biggest city in South Africa, like the capital city type. Three and a half million people. What are they looking forward to? Not so much the Australians coming over to play test cricket. They're looking forward to, what do they call it, day zero. June 4th, they reckon it will be. What's so important about day zero, June 4th? It's the day that you when in Cape Town, when you get there and you turn on the tap, nothing will come out. They have to shut down the taps, the water supply. They've had three years of drought. There's no, it's hardly any water. It's already being rationed, severely rationed. Leading us to say there's a bit of a panic there. Living water. From verses 10 to 26, it talks about this different type of water. We've been talking about the physical stuff, the liquid stuff, the cold water. But, you know, the Lord isn't talking about that in this passage, is he? Not really. He's talking about living water. So it's a different source not coming from a well or a dam or a reservoir or a tap or from the fridge. It's coming from a different source. It comes from Jesus Christ. And its effect is different, isn't it? It's a permanent effect. What did the Lord say? Whoever drinks of this living water, what? Never thirsts again. Oh, how good would that be? How good would that be? And this living water just doesn't... Uh, meet the first need, it meets, it meets our spiritual need, our emotional need, our, our, our psychological need, and, and much more, as you see when you go through the, uh, through the text. This text tells us that those who receive the water will never need to look outside of themselves for satisfaction, never. Because, why is that? Because the living water is supplied by the Holy Spirit, which is dwelling in us, the Spirit of Christ. That's another title of the Holy Spirit. We talked about him last week as the Spirit of truth. This week is the Spirit of Christ who lives in us, lives within, making it a constant source that never runs out, never be without water ever again is what Christ is saying. That's what's so Unique about this living water and then finally he talks about it being able to spring up out of a person what does he mean by that? see this living water isn't limited to a bottle or a tap or a reservoir even it's not limited to the here and now that lady over there is having a drink of water I spotted that. I didn't set that up by the way. And it's not limited to the to the to the earth either, because this living water has ramifications for eternity in heaven. Now I know what you're thinking. I do. I know what you're thinking. Raf, we can't bless like this. We can't bless like the Lord here. We we we, we can't we can't give people living water well, we might be able to teach, like you said last week, and we might be able to tell the truth. Well, no, we should be telling the truth, like you said last week. But, but this, bless the thirsty. How are we going to do that? Let's jump to verse thirty-nine. What does it say? Many of the Samaritans from the town, from that town, that was Psycho believed in him because of the testimony of the of the woman. That's an interesting verse. That woman was not the living water, was she? She wasn't the living water. You know, this if you thought if you felt sorry for the Samaritans who were marginalized and and, and discriminated against by the Jews, and you know this story. I don't have to tell you about this woman. She was marginalised and discriminated against by the Samaritans, her own people. How how was her testimony so important? Why was it? How did she bless the thirsty? Well, that's why I picked that uh, that that um, that that song. She was a channel of blessing to her people in Sycam, to her village, to her township. What's what? What does what does channel mean? It's a bed of a stream or river or other waterway. So it's really always to do with water, a course into which something. In this case, I'm putting the word blessings there. That may be delivered. And three, it's a route through which anything passes or. Oh, I spelt that wrong. I'm sorry. Oh, dear, that's terrible. I didn't notice that before. It should be the word progresses, all right? A route through which anything passes or progresses. You get the idea? I did have some images, but I couldn't get them to work, so they're not here. But, you know, a channel is like a waterway, isn't it? It's a waterway. An aqueduct is similar, you know. Not a river but a channel, a bit smaller. If you go up the country, you'll see that a lot in the areas where they, uh, they do crop farming. Brothers and sisters, we are predestined by the Lord. We, sometimes we get caught up with this word, predestined. We don't read and understand everything else about what we're predestined to do. We are predestined to be channels of blessing. That's what the Lord expects us to do and B through us the gospel is made known that's the expectation of God through his people the gospel is to be made known verse 28 have a look what it says again I just love the word of God leaving her water jar, leaving her water pot in another version. You know, she forgot about why she was there. She didn't didn't draw the water from the well. She didn't take it home. You know, water is very important. You know, these people had wells because there was no other source of water there. They didn't have a river or a reservoir but after meeting with, with with the Lord Jesus, she left her water pot and hightailed it back to town. I love it. The urgency that she had, the desire she had for others to be blessed like she'd been blessed, to tell others about this man, Jesus Christ. She, she wasn't liked by the other people in the town. She was ostracized, and yet she left her water pot. I, th- I find that amazing. And and, and it's, there's more than that. More than that. Look, verse twenty nine. Look what it says there. Look, she says she gets into the town, leaves her water pot, and she says, "Come and see a man." I love that as well. <laughs> you know, come and see a man. She might not have been able to, to give people living water. I can't give people living water either. Neither can you. We can't. But what she did, she directed the people of her township from Syco to the source of the living water. Our brothers and sisters, you and I, we can do that. Surely we can do that. Verse 39 again. I love this verse as well. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the women's testimony. That's beautiful, isn't it? Not all. They didn't all believe, but many. Many believed. Wouldn't it be nice that it could be written of me or you? That many believed some, even just one, if one person believed because of raph 's testimony or sam 's testimony, or Victoria who brought a friend to alpha, good on you and and that guy who's that guy with the t- tiger shirt on? Ewan he brought a friend to alpha too, bringing people to the source. You know, Franklin, Billy and, uh, Billy Grime and Franklin Grime, that's what they want. They want people to bring their friends to hear about the living water. Franklin Grime doesn't save anybody. His father never saved anybody. Jesus says. Amen to that. They were just, what, a channel of blessing. You and I can do the same thing. That's a very challenging verse, isn't it? Verse 39. What's my testimony like? What is my testimony like? (laughs) To my family, to my workmates, the neighbours, my community. My community. That's what this woman was concerned about as well. Not just herself. Sometimes we can become very self-centred can't we? Even as Christians it's all about how I'm feeling what I'm doing, how I'm, how I'm being blessed, we talked about that last week have a look at this this is what this woman did, the woman at Saika she gave everyone in Saika and its wider community the opportunity to know and follow Jesus does that sound familiar to you? If you got if you got this week's newsletter, you know what's on the very top. More or less, what's up there? That's what she did. She gave everyone that was willing to listen the opportunity to know and follow Jesus. She left her water pot, invited them to see Jesus. And verse 42 it says, We no longer believe just because of what you said. And that's, my, that's, that's what I try and do. I can give people some information, but I don't want people to take my word for things. I want them to come and know the Lord Jesus. Channels of blessing. So, what have we seen and learnt? This morning From looking at this passage This well-known passage Through the lens Of blessing as Jesus blessed Well first of all Water is the source of life Living water is the source of spiritual life Just like physical water Is the the source of uh, physical life We need it It's vital Without it what? We perish Both waters No living water You perish eternally Physical uh, physical life, no water, you you die physically. That's an interesting parallel, don't you think? Hmm. Two, in order to bless, what it may be necessary, brothers and sisters, for us to actually exert effort in order to bless. People aren't going to come in here to be blessed. That they won't. Not initially. We may need to go out of our way, like the Lord did, you know, go out of the way. Get out of our comfort zone, like the Lord did. We must be intentional and deliberate in our efforts to bless others so that they may come and know and follow Jesus. We bless... Why? Because there is a great need. There is a thirsty world out there. They're dying of thirst. They really are. And they're looking for relief. They don't realise that it's Jesus Christ that's the source of their relief and it's our, our responsibility, our must needs moment. We, the, the, we have to tell them about this living water. And then we need to leave our water pots. You know, forget about the things that are important to you and me. We have to make evangelism a priority for this church, for you and for me. A priority. And then the question we need to all ask ourselves, what is our testimony? What are we telling others with our lips and with our deeds? Let's encourage people that we rub shoulders with wherever we may be, at any time, any circumstance, any situation, to come and see a man. That's what we're about here at Monty. We want people to come and see a man called Jesus Christ and get to know him. And then they may also have be able to say... We no longer believe just because of what you said, Raph, Jim, Graham, but we have heard him for ourselves, the Spirit of God speaking into the hearts of others, convicting them of their sin. I don't have to do that. It's not my job. It's my job to give them the opportunity to come and know and meet this man called Jesus. And what did they say at the very end? That They said, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. That's from the lips of the Samaritans after the woman at Sychar's Well encouraged them to come and see a man. I love it. I love it. I hope you've learned something this morning from the scriptures of how Jesus blessed... How his people can bless, and how you and I can bless like Jesus blessed. Thank you. Would you like a cold water? I think that's the (laughs) other one.